All right, how's everybody today? Doing okay? Any 49er fans in the house? Okay, we got a full, we got a great full service here today. Is that because you have plans at noon today, do you? Okay. So we're going to continue our prayer and fasting for the 49ers again this week. Uh, tough game. Last week was tough, but this one, this is the big one, everybody. Because then we go to the Super Bowl, we win today. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Anyway, did you come here for that, or do you want me to talk about God's Word and try to encourage you? All right. Uh, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about relationships uh, and how they matter in our life. One of, the, one of the big issues, of course, in our culture today is loneliness. And we have people in our life, but the, the connecting with people emotionally and feeling understood, feeling known, uh, is at an all-time low. A study was done. Uh, by Cigna Health, and of 20,000 Americans over the age of 18, and the study showed that nearly half of them say sometimes or always they feel alone or left out. 13% of Americans say that zero people know them well. 60% surveyed said sometimes or always they feel that their interests and ideas are not shared by those around them. Uh, 60% surveys uh, felt that people around them were not necessarily with them. Interesting. Loneliness is epidemic. I, if I were to ask you, do you have a really close friend? And where you say this friend is like, I can bear all, I have a really close friend. And if you said you had one of those, you're blessed by God. Really blessed by God. And if you said you had three of those, it's like consider yourself wealthy in every way. Uh, because of that. Why so much loneliness? Uh, the article went on to suggest the increase in technology has contributed to loneliness. Uh, people stay home, they're interacting on social media, they're on their cell phones. They don't go to the, the mall anymore, which is ordered from Amazon, you know. Uh, so we're not out and about. People uh, on Zoom calls instead of going to work and and at work used to make friends and all of that. So technology is affecting us greatly. Also the time crunch, time crunch, we, uh, balancing our time is difficult. And when you're busy, busy, busy uh, with work and other things, what gets cut out of your life because of your busyness? You know, your friends and time with them and enjoying them, etc. We don't know our neighbors um, anymore. Sad. I mean, it used to be that people would sit on the porch and neighbors come by and uh, have some tea and sit around and chat on the porch. You know, that's what you do. And then the garage door opener was invented. <laughs> and we'd drive home and hit that baby, go in, hit it again. We don't have to deal with anybody, right? So, um, and then people are moving a lot. That's another reason. They're moving a lot uh, in America 40 million people, Americans, move every year, 40 million, and the average person uh, moves 14 times in their lifetime. So why should you say, uh, meet your neighbors when you're just going to have to say goodbye? Better to never say hello. So you see the problem. Now, I want to I give you, those are some of the problems. I'm going to give you a theological reason for loneliness, and a theological reason for are not connecting with each other like we long to and not having the intimacy that we want and want to have as a church family, right? Or in any relationship that you have. So let's pray that. And Lord, we 
just bring this uh, whole subject before you and ask for your wisdom, your understanding, the Spirit's guidance, uh, your word, what it says to us, and help me to present it in such a way that we'll understand it and it'll help us in our life to make more connections with people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, it's God who said it's not good for man to be alone. And it isn't. It's not good for you to be alone. That's why God has given us the church family. A lot of you don't, you know, you're, not, you're estranged from your family. You don't see them for whatever reason. They're out of town or they passed away or you, whatever. But God's given us the church family for fellowship. He knows we, you know, love to, to enjoy times together. But it's hard. I want to talk to you from Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. Third, third chapter in the Bible, which I think explains it all. Explains everything. All right, to set up the context, in Genesis chapter 1, you have creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything in and on the earth. In chapter 2, God creates the woman and the man. It's not good for man to be alone. He brings the woman. Adam's all excited to see her. Wow, you know? <laughs> She's bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And he's all excited, and... Um, uh, he, they have this wonderful relationship. At the end of chapter 2, we have this comment, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, which pictures unity, joy, one flesh, emotional, spiritual, physical, which oneness, you know, oneness. And then the last verse in uh, Genesis chapter 2 says, and they were both naked and felt no shame. It's a picture of obviously vulnerability and no fear of acceptance, uh, no self-consciousness. They were both naked. They didn't know it. They, they were, there was no shame. They just, there was uh, joy and peace and all of that. Uh, then they, when God was in the garden, they enjoyed him and they had an ideal garden. Everything's good. Chapter 3 of Genesis, everything changes. It's a pivotal chapter in the Bible where the devil shows up. And the devil tempts Adam and Eve to sin against God, which they do. They sin, uh, the two of them against God. And then we get to verse 7 of chapter 3. And here it is, after they sin. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Uh, and they knew that they were naked. So what they do? They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, and all of a sudden, we go from being not self-conscious at all, naked, unashamed, to being, oh my goodness, <laughs> who's going to see us? Right? Cover up. Make, get the fig leaves. What's that? That fig tree over there. And make, sew them together and just cover up, cover up, cover up. Everything's changed now. You have to understand that we're living our lives right here. This is us. Covering up. Everybody's clothed today. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know why I always you know, I want to be exposed I mean, like, you know, where's that come from it it's comes from Adam and Eve's sin we, we've inherited we've inherited Adam's nature okay we're born as sons of Adam and uh, so we have that sinful nature of shame and of covering up and all of that and embarrassment and such they heard the sound of the Lord God 
walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Uh, so God would show up, and, and when they were in, what are you doing, you know, how's it going? They'd have this wonderful, intimate conversation with God, but not now. They hear God coming, and what do they do? The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees. I mean, it's like, where can we go? God's coming. God's coming. And never, never like that before. God's going to judge us. God's going to punish us. We've sinned. He told us that we would die if we touched, you know, the tree in the middle of the garden. We've touched it. We've eaten from it. Where is it? God's coming. What a, what a way to live, huh? Guilt and all of that. Uh, so God shows up and calls to the man, hey, where are you? You know, of course, God knows where he is, but he's hiding. You know, where are you? It'd make a great sermon just to talk on this question. Where are you today? Huh? If God were to say to you, where are you? Hiding? Pretending? In shame? In fear? Where are you? Adam! Eve! And God and Adam says, I heard you. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. First time that shows up in the Bible. Because I was naked, self-consciousness. Self-consciousness, and so I hid myself. There it is. Okay, this is what we do, everybody. We're deathly afraid of people really knowing who we are in our shame and our sin, our weaknesses, our failures. We're desperately afraid of being exposed, and so we hide in a million ways. We put on facades. We pretend we have, a, we have an exterior that's not really us, but it's designed to win approval and acceptance, and we do this with each other all the time, and nobody gets close. We're like billiard balls just bouncing off each other. You say, oh, not me. <laughs> that's not what I do. Oh, yeah, you're doing it right now. It's defenses. We have so many defenses. Somebody's afraid that they'll be exposed for not knowing or not being as intelligent as they think they need to be to win approval. Maybe they've been told their whole life, you're just average in your intelligence. And that becomes to them a great fear, being exposed for being not that smart. So what do I do? I'm just going to put on smart. I'm, I'm going to impress you with what I know, man. And so a certain, uh, certain veneer of arrogance, and I know so much information. I, boy, ask me anything. I know it. And you're like, you are so annoying, man. You, you just always talk like how much you know. Number one, we don't care how much you know. And why are you doing this? Because you're desperately afraid that somebody will expose you for not being very smart. Do you get how it works? That's how it works. Somebody just keeps talking, you know, just talk, or joking. You know, you see that, you see this all the time. Jokester, joke, 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 to the point you're finally like, shut up. Joke, joke, joke. What's the joking about? What's that about? Well, it keeps you, keeps you out here, keeps you liking me, keeps the environment light. We don't want to get heavy. I'm afraid. I don't want, I don't want to be exposed you might reject me. So if I tell you enough jokes, you'll keep liking me. You just want to sit that person down and say, dude, what, what's going on, man? You, you, I just want to, I want to talk to you. Okay? I want to get to know you. So 
I was afraid. I was naked, so I hid myself. And we, this is how we live, and this is why relationships are so hard theologically. We're afraid of rejection from God, from other people, and, uh, and so we just set up ways to have people accept us and acknowledge us and think we're worthy and think we're really something. And it's in that setting that up, we never get close. We never get close. The, the person who's obsessed with, with success is doing that. They feel very inadequate, but they, they found a way to prove themselves, so they do it. And super success makes them feel a certain, you know, position in the world, place in the world. God says uh, to Adam, who told you you were naked? You know, God didn't tell him that. Who told you you were naked? Uh, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And this would be a great time, Adam, to just humble yourself. Be a great time. Just confess your sins. The Bible says if we confess our sins to God, that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, we just sang it. The blood of Jesus will be applied. He took your place. and You will be uh, given a new life. Just, Adam, here's a good time to confess. Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? I mean... Did you sin against me? Did you break one of my commandments? Did you? And Adam does what we do. The man said, the woman that you. <laughs> Don't miss that. <laughs> you. You gave to me. Okay? She gave me the fruit, and I ate. It's not my fault. I have an excuse. I have a justification. I have an explanation. I have a reason. You know? Um, <clears throat> what is that? That's, I'm afraid, so I hid. And I hide behind explaining and justifying and blaming others and coming up with excuses. I mean, just constantly. And what we're drawn to in each other is we're drawn to humility we're drawn more towards people's being honest about their struggles and even the, the things that have not gone well in their life. We're drawn to that, not their successes. Have you noticed that? I mean, somebody just talks about their successes all the time. Are you, do you really want to get close to them? No. You feel inadequate. I mean, it just, it, it's a, but when somebody's weak, I mean, when somebody's vulnerable and somebody shares a Sinful struggle, honestly, doesn't blame everything. Oh, that woman, you, that's, that's interesting. I, that'd be worth exploring. How much of what we deal with in our life, are we, are we subtly, quietly, without anybody knowing, blaming God? Ooh, that, that just gets kind of like, ooh, be worth thinking about. You, that woman, okay, let's talk to the woman then. <laughs> She's over there seething right now. You, you just, come here. You just threw me under the bus with God, okay? <laughs> Conflict enters the picture here now. I mean, you think Adam's going to forget, or be able, Eve's going to be able to forget what Adam just did in telling God, you know, she, she'll hold that against him for the 900 years they lived. All right. <laughs> 930, I think. 
Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you've done? I mean, he just told me it was all your fault, or that it was all my fault for giving you to him, so what do you say? What say you? Now the woman said, the serpent deceived me. The devil made me do it. And I ate. Okay. So uh, where are we in all this? We have, a, we have a core fear, we have a core motivation, and we have a core strategy. And here they are, right here. And this is us now. You have to see this. I want, I want you to connect to this. Because this is where we live and, um, in a fallen world. And I do want to talk to you about how to get out of this. All right, we'll talk about how to get out of this. But this is the reality. Uh, I was afraid, you're afraid, uh, because you're naked. You don't want people to see you're not as smart as you are. You don't want people to see... Uh, the sins in your life, the things that you think about or that you've done or that you're doing right now. You, you don't want people to see that. You don't want to be exposed. Your nakedness. And so you hide. You put forth. You have a front. You do things to win acceptance, win approval with others, with God. It's just constantly going on. But it's those things that, that are designed and you've been doing for a long time probably since you were about five in your first kindergarten experience, you, you started to learn how to arrange life so that you weren't exposed and you felt accepted. And that's just your style of relating. You guys hanging with all this now? All right. Your style of relating. But let me tell you, your style of relating that's designed to keep you from being exposed and to win, excess and win acceptance is the most annoying thing about you. You can't stop talking. You're always talking. Why are you talking so much? Stop talking. You're so passive. You're never involved. You never, you never utter an opinion. You never give an opinion. Why are you hiding? You act so helpless and needy, and what is that about? Are you afraid that somebody might look to you, and you don't have the goods to be able to make a difference? So you figure if you just look like a little helpless boy, nobody will come to you? That's what you seem like. You're helpless all the time. Or you're a jerk. Why are you such a jerk? You say, that's leadership, isn't it? No, 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 no. You're a jerk. Why? You keep everybody at, at bay. I mean, it's just, I don't know. So, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do? No wonder people just grow apart, right? Grow apart. Trying to get something from each other all the time, trying to, but not getting it. You know, really having deep needs in our soul because of sin, and then looking for other things and people to. Fill it up, but it never quite gets there. So we just keep searching for it, keep looking for it, keep looking for it. Of course, the good news, it's, it's found in what Jesus did for us on the cross. Uh, but let me, let me give you a personal illustration from me from, of all of this um, in the hopes that it'll, it'll make some sense. All right, so I have fears, okay? I have fears. Not many things, but uh, no. <laughs> One of my fears is this, that if I had to visit you in the hospital, and you are an ICU, and I went there, that I wouldn't have enough strength to minister to you, and that the 
the situation in ICU would be so intense that it would, it would overwhelm me and I wouldn't be able to even be there. I have a fear that if you were going through a really hard situation, not an ICU, but a really intense grieving situation, perhaps the loss of somebody, and I was called upon to pastor you, I, would be, I wouldn't have what's needed to bring it to the table to help you. Okay, I have a, this big fear. You say, well, why are you the pastor, man? I mean, don't... All right. Uh, so let me tell you where a lot of that comes from. It comes from Adam. Adam was standing next to Eve when she took the apple. You realize that? He, she took it and ate it and gave it to her husband who was with her. He failed. He was supposed to protect her. But he didn't. And men live with this subtle thing from Adam that they, they don't have what it takes to you know, protect, move in. So I have inherited Adam's nature, and when there's a real situation called upon for leadership and initiation and moving towards, it scares me, and I, you know, just want to stay home. <laughs> when I was a child, when I was five years old, uh, growing up in our family, my parents' marriage was bad. It was never good. My mom was alcoholic. She uh, grew up, was abused when she grew up physically, sexually, uh, her stepmom broke her arm because she forgot to bring a book home from school. I mean, it's stuff like that. She, her stepmom held my uncle under the water because he stuttered saying his grammar. It was just a real abusive deal. She marries my dad, you know, at 17. And their marriage was rough the whole time. M mom worked the swing shift. She'd get home at 11. She'd start drinking, and then they'd start fighting. It's like all hell came out of her, you know. And my dad didn't know how to deal with it, and he, he was jerky with her and stuff like that. Anyways, the point is, I'm trying to sleep. I'm five years old. I hear them fighting, so I get up out of my bed. They're fighting again. And it's bad. It's coming from downstairs. So I get out of my bed, and I'm going to go help them, right? I'm going to help solve this. I get about two steps down, and I'm like, what am I going to do? Seriously. I mean, it's like, it's like adults your parents. All right. So I just turn around. I go up back up into my room and I go over to the desk in our room and I just stand here like this. Frozen. Frozen. Uh, my mom, you know, she, uh, she was manic depressive. She went to, she had a psychiatrist. She went to psychiatric, psychiatric wards uh, fast forward a little bit, probably when I was in elementary school, I remember going to visit her at the psych ward, and uh, she'd be there, and I still remember the gown, I remember the smell, I remember the little room, the art projects and stuff, and I'm taking all this in. Okay, so it's like, here I am, uh, some big time stuff. My mom eventually committed suicide when I was in high school, all that. So... Fast forward, I, I'm in, in ministry now. I've become a Christian in high school. I'm a pastor. I'm in Dallas, just to give you one example. And uh, I'm in my office, large staff. I was an associate pastor. And I hear down the hall and in where the secretary's room, workroom is, a woman comes in crying, just, just tears like God. Really intense, really intense crying. And I can hear what's going on. She's had a miscarriage, and she's come to the church to just 
for prayer, you know? I mean, she's just like going through it. So I'm in my office, and I'm hearing all this, and I'm just shortness of breath, and I just feel myself freezing up. It's freezing up. So I lean over, and I take my door, and I shut it. And I just stayed there. Okay? Everything within me, I didn't feel like I had the adequacy, the strength to go minister to her. I had tremendous fear that I would fail, that I would look like a fool. So my strategy, stay here. Don't move toward, don't move into that situation. God convicts me. You're a pastor. You need to get out of your chair and go minister to her. So by faith, totally by faith, I got up and I went down the hall and I'm walking towards to help her and I am feeling absolutely nothing, like almost out of body. It's so bad. I go in there. She's crying. It's so much pain, pain. But I go over to her. I put my arm around her. I start to pray for her and God's power just like, because I walked into that situation by faith, okay, trusting God's power, and it flowed, and he was faithful. And I've learned since, that was many years ago, I've learned since every time I'm afraid of a situation, I know it, I'm going the opposite of my fear, I'm not going to hide, I'm going to move into it, Trusting God's power and God's strength to help me do it. It's like, it's like David and Goliath. Here's Goliath. Nobody will fight him. He's nine foot nine, bad breath, big spear. The guy's, you know, Philistine army. Let's go one-on-one. Nobody in the, you know, in the Israelite army will fight Goliath. But here's this young boy, 17 years old, named David. He goes out there. It's like, what possessed him to go out there? Everybody else was afraid. And David goes out there and he says, the battle's the Lord's. You've offended my God, you uncircumcised Philistine. (laughs) You're not under covenant. There's no promise. Today the Lord will give you into my hands. And he went out there and defeated him. I'm just saying that God wants us to move towards people, not away from people. And that takes relying upon his power, which if you're a Christian and you have a new creation and you're a new creation in Christ, you have that power. You have to understand that when I shut my door, when that woman was crying and I shut my door and stayed in my room, that was, stayed in my office, that was a sin. That was a sin. God calls us to love one another and to not love her out of, a, out of trying to protect myself and stay safe was a sin against love. And you can't love other people unless you're willing to move towards them. Now, I don't mean more, move towards them with, you know, self-protective jazz. I mean move p- towards them in the vulnerability and humility and need of God. And then we minister to each other. But we're so, why are people so lonely? Because we're so committed to self-protection. And we're so committed to getting others to like us that we're not, you know, doing what God calls us to do and to love one another. 
I want to talk more about this maybe on Wednesday night, but let me give you a little picture of it here. Um, we want to encourage one another, right? The Bible says, encourage one another. That's why we meet as a church. Encourage one another. Well, layers, layers are self-protective means, defenses, if you will, to keep us from experiencing that which we fear the most, exposure. Uh, so, you know, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I still remember, and I mean, I, I want to I present a certain spirituality to you. It's like, you know, do you know everything about me? No. Do I want you to know everything about me? No. Okay? Uh, I got to keep it. That's my little so, so protection. Sometimes I can even throw a little spiritual stuff. And I know when I'm doing it. All right? I know when I'm doing it. And I'm like, God, forgive me. I'm doing it again. <laughs> I, uh, so over the years, I've had Christian counselors that you go and you can talk to a Christian counselor, right? And just say, you know. And I remember when I was <laughs> looking for a Christian counselor here in town and found one, thought it would be great, and call him up. I would see, the counselor said, hey, what's your name? I said, Brett Alvacus. And the counselor says, I go to your church. Oh. <laughs> you go to my church. <laughs> your church. <laughs> this isn't going to work out, you know. So, oh my. So we have all these layers to win approval, okay? Now, and other people have the same thing, self-protective layers. When I, when I go to encourage you, if I'm speaking from one of my layers, like let's say I, I'm trying to be cool and successful and, you know, a real uh, winner in life, and if, if I'm trying to get that vibe going with you and I talk to you, from that vibe, you, am I making myself clear? From that, from that position, and I speak to your vibe like you're also cool and successful. Nobody gets encouraged in that e exchange. You're right, you're right. I'm talking from my protection to yours, so nothing much happens. There is some limited encouragement when um, I'm vulnerable in my place of fear of exposure, I'm, but I'm vulnerable and I speak to you uh, at least you're, you're feeling something then. You're like, this guy really, really cares or whatever. You're feeling something, but I'm still speaking to the, I'm still responding to what you're giving me. And it's not really uh, the truth about you. It's not really who you are, but I respond to it. Uh, here's where really encouragement happens. Uh, this is encouragement. When I speak really from my heart and vulnerability, move towards you, and I talk to this part of you. So, for example, I say to you, you know, brother, I just want you to know, I, I'm more aware of my own weaknesses and sins and difficulties than I ever have been. I'm more aware of my need for God and His grace and mercy. And I just want you to know that um, our relationship, it doesn't matter what you do, man. I, I just love you. I'm going to be there for you. You know, I, I've just spoken to the thing you fear most, that you will be rejected if you're exposed. And I say to you, I just want you to know I love you. It's the way God, this is the way God speaks to us. The woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. She's caught. And Jesus says to her, you know, I don't condemn you. Now go and, you know, change your life. 
I mean, go, I don't condemn you. Uh, when the Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 8, the end of Romans 8, that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Neither height nor depth, things present, things to come, powers, created things, things present, things to come. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ. Now when I hear that, I am encouraged. I am encouraged. When Jesus says, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. We go, oh man, that feels good. His blood covers us. Sacrifice, one sacrifice for all, for our sin. It's finished. The work is finished. You're accepted, redeemed. When you hear that from God, you're like, man, that's what I need. So when we, from a humble heart, speak to another person's fears, we'll encourage them. Got it? Not, I'm cool, you're cool, we're cool. It's like, that, that, that can... <laughs> and certainly... You know, this is what happens sometimes. You, re- you, see the, you see the person's layer, and, and then you criticize them. Like, you know, okay, you're a passive guy, and you use your passivity so that no one looks to you as a leader, and um, no one would dare look to you because you're so passive, and we all know that. And you go up to them, and you say, hey, hey, brother, sister, I just want to tell you something, you know, and encourage you. You are so passive, man. And you just, you're just always pulling away from people. and You're always isolating yourself. I just want you to know that. You know what that does? That just strengthens it, man. It's like, ah, you're, you're just, all you're doing is reinforcing it. So you don't go pointing things out to everybody. Talk to their fear. That makes sense. And God has spoken to our fear. And the only reason that you can love people and move towards people is that you know that God will take took hold of you. And in any ministry situation, I'm so aware of that now. I just, I'm going. God will strengthen me. God will help me. It's a violation of love to protect myself. I'm not doing that. And so continually moving towards people. So here you go. From this passage, identify your fears. Identify what you do to keep what you fear from happening. (laughs) And then rely on God's strength to move towards and toward and not away from people because it's love when we move towards people in vulnerability, all right? Uh, This is what happens. God speaks to the man. The man says the woman did it and, you know, and then to the woman, the woman says the devil deceived me. Now God goes to Satan and, and talks to Satan and says this to Satan. God says, this Genesis 3.15 now. Uh, opening chapters of the Bible. He says, your descendants, Satan, and her descendants will be enemies. The children of darkness and the children of light will be in conflict with each other. There will be spiritual warfare. Who are the sons of the devil? Who are they? They're the people that don't know God, who are at enmity with God, who have rejected God. They're under the devil's power. They don't know it. Jesus told the Pharisees, the religious leaders in John 8, 44, they said, they said, we're of our father Abraham. And Jesus said, no, you're not of your father Abraham. You're of your father the devil. And you do the works that the devil's done from the beginning. He's a liar and so are you. So the sons of the devil will have conflict with the sons of God, the sons of light. 
And that's going on, all right? That's part of the way we live. One of her descendants, the woman, will crush your head. Who's one of the descendants of the woman? Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born of the virgin, came to do what? To crush the head of Satan and to offer through his death eternal life. Huh? How do you kill, a, how do you crush a venomous, a venomous snake? How do you kill him? You crush the head because the venom is in the fangs and the, the fangs puncture the snake itself and the poison kills the snake. You just, that's how you do it. He'll bite your heel. Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He went through suffering and then thankfully the resurrection. Now notice what happened. So God knew how he was going to redeem this mess in Genesis 3.15. And he actually knew beforehand, before creation, how he was going to redeem it all. And there's coming a day when there'll be no more sin, no more death, no more tears, no more pain. A new heaven, a new earth. Christ will reign. It's all coming. It's coming. How do I get to be a part of that? You receive the gospel. You receive the good news. You receive Jesus. Jesus, or God says, the Lord made for Adam and Eve and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is so beautiful right here. They're wearing this little fig leaf thing. Still embarrassed about it all. God initiates this. This isn't Adam and Eve doing this. This is all God right here. Gives them animal skins to clothe them. An animal was sacrificed, died. Blood was shed in order for these skins to be made, in order for these skins to cover them. This is a picture of Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God to come, who would be whose blood would be shed on the cross so that we could be clothed in His righteousness, His acceptance, His mercy. mercy. If you're a Christian, you're clothed in Christ. Your nakedness has been covered. Your shame has been atoned for. You know, Jesus, uh, in the Gospels, he, he only cursed one tree in all the Gospels. You, anybody remember what the tree was that he cursed? What kind of tree was it? It's a fig tree. Just came up to it. It wasn't bearing fruit. He cursed it. The disciples are kind of like, gee, you know. The next day, they look and from the roots up, this thing is just dried out. Arthur Pink suggests that it's because of what Adam and Eve did with fig leaves that were to no avail and bore no fruit. Jesus Christ replaced the fig leaves of man's attempt to cover himself with the blood of his own son so that man could be covered in righteousness in Christ. It's the gospel. Isn't this amazing? You got the first three chapters of the Bible. Look what we've learned. So, let's talk more about this. I want, I want you to feel a calling on your life to move towards people in love. We can move towards them in a lot of different ways, but we want to move towards them in love to have God use you. To, to move to, towards others despite your fears, knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit will enable you to minister. Let's pray together.
I don't know where you're at here today, but this might be a good time for you to say to God, oh God, I have no excuses. I'm not going to bring an excuse. I have sinned. I've sinned against you. I've broken your laws. Dishonored you. And so, God, would you clothe me in the righteousness of Jesus Christ? The blood applied. The blood applied. So that I might rejoice. Oh, God, forgive me. Make of me a new person. And Lord, help me to recognize the things that I do that are just defenses and ways of protecting myself. And Help me to repent of those things and move towards people in love and honesty and truth so that I can encourage somebody and build others up. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.